0: Welcome to the Travel Worth Living podcast. Our mission is to help aspiring travel content creators make a positive impact with the stories they tell. We do this by sharing the how and why of content creation through practical and inspirational stories.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? It is Seth here and we are having another moody, rainy day here in the capital city of Reykjavik. On this week's podcast episode, we dive into sort of both the how and the why of travel content creation with Lindsay Taig. After becoming dissatisfied with her life in the US, she decided to take a leap of faith with her online business and travel full-time as a digital nomad. During our conversation, we discussed the fears she had while doing that, and the checklist she used to figure out how to embark on this new travel journey. She focuses on helping people and companies build strong brands, and in this episode, she shares three important questions to ask while building your brand which is absolutely necessary if you're a travel content creator who makes money off the content you create. Lindsay also talks about balancing technology while living as a digital nomad. Being aware of that aspect of your life, which could easily control you, is essential to maintaining the freedom you're pursuing. Thanks again for being a part of the Travel Worth Living community. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast and come hang out with us on social media. We always enjoy hearing feedback from our listeners. And now. Here is my conversation with Lindsey Tagg. Let's go ahead and start by uh, telling us a little bit about where you are at right now and what you do there.
0: Sure. So I've been traveling in Mexico, uh, through Mexico for the last four months. I did come home a little bit for the holidays to see family, but I started out on the Yucatan side. Um, I was in Tulum for about a month and a half. And prior to that, I actually had decided that this was going to be uh, my lifestyle. So traveling as a lifestyle, and I kind of made that Proverbial leap of, you know, selling all my things and moving out of my house. And um, I got about ninety percent of that stuff done before I went to Tulum. But I did have to come back in December and January to, to tie up some loose ends and actually get rid of my car, which was kind of like that final step of like jumping, leaping into like this this freedom of like not owning a lot of things and being able to travel full time. So, um, so yeah, so for the last four months in February was when I, I finally left the States and um, came back to, to Mexico. And right now I am in San Cristobal uh, de las Casas, which is a little kind of town here in Chiapas, which is the kind of mountainous region. It's um, in the Southern part of Mexico. It's very close to the border of Guatemala. And I ended up here. Typically, how I have been planning my travels, which has been very intuitive, is I landed, I, I first landed in Puerto Escondido, which is on the coast of, I guess it's considered the Oaxacan region, because um, I really love the beach. So I started out there in February. And, uh, you know, the weather there was pretty perfect. It did start to to heat up as the month went on. (laughs) But each place I've been to since then over the last four months has been, like I said, very intuitive and really based on a lot of the conversations that I've had with other travelers that I've just, you know, randomly been meeting. And so I kind of made my way down the coast um, on the Pacific side. I had been wanting to explore this side of Mexico for um, for a while because I, I've been to Cancun and I, I did Tulum in November and I was really just itching to explore this side of the country. So yeah, so I made my way down. I spent about a month or two in each location and it started to get really, really hot on the coast. So that's kind of what inspired me or led me to go more inland and I spent about a month in Oaxaca city, which I loved. And I can go into more detail if you'd like, but I don't want to just ramble on too much, but I, um, I spent a month there. And now here I am in San Cristobal, which is about three hours. Um, I think it's considered West of Oaxaca city. And I've been here for about two weeks. So.
1: And you're saying yeah. the weather there <laughs> is definitely cooler than by the beach.
0: Exactly, exactly. So loosely in my head, I was figuring like if I do spend a lot more time here in Mexico, if I plan to like maybe live here for a period of time, I could see myself spending maybe most or part of the summer in this part of Mexico because it's not brutally hot. Um, I actually lived in Florida for 10 years. I am from originally from New York, um, but I moved from New York when I was about 26 years old to Florida, spent 10 years there um, I do gravitate more towards the warmer weather, but honestly, like, I just prefer like comfortable weather now, you know, like not too hot, not too cold. So yeah. here it's about, it can get up to 70 is probably the warmest 70 to 75, maybe. Um, right now it is the rainy season though, but I don't mind it. Cause I spent the, the three or four months. The three months that I spent on the coast, it was actually the dry season and I didn't see rain for three months straight, no rain whatsoever. So (laughs) this is a welcome change here.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I'd kind of like to back up to the very beginning, if you don't mind, just spend a little time on that. So yeah, you said you were in New York and then you moved to Florida. What made you interested in doing this full-time digital nomad travel, leaving your lifestyle in the U.S.? kind of thing. Uh, what, What led to that decision? So it was
0: honestly, it was something that was floating around in the back of my mind for many years. After about five years of living in Florida, like I had already subconsciously made the decision that I wanted to leave. But, you know, I, like many people, allowed fear to kind of creep in and take hold. And I was like, well, I have a home here. I have a car here. I actually had gotten a dog at one point, who ended up passing away early last year. But at the time I had a dog who was actually a little bit older and kind of sick. So I couldn't, I was like, oh, I can't travel with my dog. So I had like all of these kind of um, challenges or things in my mind that I was like, I can't can't do this. Like it's not possible. And also I didn't become an entrepreneur until about 2018. But when I finally made that leap, that decision in my mind, I was like, okay, this is the first step to eventually, you know, making my dreams come true. I hate to sound cliche, but I knew that that was one of the steps that I needed to take so that I could be, and this was like I said, 2018. So what that's like four ish years ago. So three to four years ago. And at the time people were working remote, but nowhere near as common as it is now. So one of the last, um, you know, jobs that I had, uh, where I was employed, I, I was required to be, I was a market manager. So I was required to be in the market. I was driving around, I was checking on job sites and things like that, um, for this startup. And, you know, that was finally when I separated from that company, that's when I said, you know what, enough is enough. Like I'm done working for someone else where I've put all my eggs in this one basket and I've, you know, went through the ringer trying to like, you know, it's the same old thing in in like corporate America, you know, climb the the corporate ladder and all of that. And I fell flat on my face. I feel like I fell flat on my face with that. And that's when it was just like the kick in the ass that I needed to go off on my own and, you know, start a business and really put myself out there and start to get my own clients. And so finally, when I did that, Obviously it still took um, two more years, but you know, I subconsciously that fear creeps in and it's like, well, no, your business isn't stable yet. You can't do this. Like who, you know, who are you to like, just pick up and go and all of that. But like the pieces just started to fall into place Um, in 2020, obviously, as you know, the year of the pandemic, um, my dog actually passed away in early February And it was about two weeks before I was set to travel to leave the country. And this was before COVID hit. It was like right before COVID hit. Um, And I hadn't traveled out of the country in a long time, a couple of years probably. So my dog passed away, I went through a grieving process and then it was like the way that it all happened was like as sad as it was, like it happened perfectly because it was enough time for me to kind of get over the loss. And then, um, and then fly to Costa Rica. I was going to or on, I was going on a retreat, a four day retreat. And that taste, I got that taste of travel again. And I was just like, so inspired when I came back and I was just like, this is what I want to do. Like it, I didn't make the decision right away, obviously, but like I, it quenched that thirst for travel. And then obviously COVID hit. So it was like, nine months eight to nine months of lockdown and not really lockdown in Florida but you know isolation everybody was scared to do anything to go out you know things were shut down etc cetera, et cetera. we all went through it in some form or another um, but again that was the kick in the ass that I needed to say to myself what am I doing here like my dog passed away. So I was, you know, I lived alone. I was, you know, going through the motions of feeling a little bit lonely and like loss of almost not identity, but just like, I feel like I'm wasting my life away sitting here. You know, I had a, a comfortable apartment. Um, you know, my, my landlord was amazing. Like just felt like I was just in this very comfortable bubble of like okay like I need to do something here or I just feel like I'm ground I'm living in groundhog day and that's when it like I think it was right after my birthday which was September between September and October was when I was like something just came over me and I was just like I have to do this like It's now or never, you know, like, and I, my business was not stable. Like I had lost a few clients. I think I had gained one. So it's kind of in this, like, felt like I was in this in-between scenario of like, you know, thinking to myself, like I'm never probably going to ever feel like I'm hundred percent secure or stable. Like it's just the entrepreneurial journey, you know, like we can't always um, predict what's going to happen. I don't think we all learned that through COVID, So I just did it. And, you know, I just said to myself, I'm doing this. And, you know, all the things that like had piled up in my mind that I thought were going to be challenging or tough or, you know, going to prevent me from actually doing this, it all ended up working out. And my car was actually the one thing that I was stressed about because I was on like this finance situation, but it ended up, I won't go into too much detail on that, but it ended up all working out better than I imagined like the amount of money that I owed I ended up being able to negotiate it down and once I got rid of that it was like just this weight lifted and I'm like I can go anywhere now like I can do whatever I want like I don't have to be tied to one place or feel like this obligation of having to go back home um or to Florida even though I do have stuff in storage but that's okay um but yeah just to kind of wrap this whole story up to say that it, this lifestyle is so much easier and so much simpler than I could have ever imagined. I mean, I'm, I'm saving money doing this, if you can imagine. Like in Mexico, especially, like Mexico is the perfect place for a digital nomad on a budget, or maybe someone that's just starting out in their business or you know, just is on a budget for whatever reason. Like it's so affordable here.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. I think it's also really important, like what you're saying, as far as once you got rid of all your stuff, or like 90% of your stuff, uh, just how freeing that was, Um, how it, it kind of just ties you down, you know, the more stuff you get, the more, yeah, wealth you accumulate, Um, it actually becomes a burden.
0: Yeah. And in society, we're not taught that and we're or not, I shouldn't say taught, but were conditioned you know like I've had this conversation with other travelers as well about how especially during the pandemic when we were home we're like oh I'm just gonna order Amazon like I need these things but you you, you convince yourself you need certain things when you really don't and it's like it's this temporary high or satisfaction of like oh I have this thing you know but here when you're traveling you know it's like there's so much you can do that you don't even need to spend any money. And if you do, like, you know, I've, I've always been a proponent of like, I'd rather spend money on experiences than things.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm also curious back in the day, you know, when this, this whole travel as a lifestyle started, it was a lot of like influencers, social media was burgeoning. Like they were just being able to work with brands and it was, it was very new. Uh, And so we've kind of all seen these ads for like the influencer lifestyle content creator, but that's, sometimes that's not for us. Um, sometimes we're not, we don't feel comfortable doing that or we, um, just don't want to, uh, we, we want to do something else. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about what we can do as digital nomads and kind of what is a digital nomad, um, for people who are still kind of learning about the term. Um, because like you said, you're an entrepreneur, but then you can also have people who work online who aren't, but then you also have a lack of freedom with that. So yeah, just kind of talk about your experience as a digital nomad and what, what options are out there.
0: Sure. So I can just kind of share my story of how I got into it. Um, you know, I, I, the first thing that I tell people, um, especially that are maybe transitioning from being employed to wanting to be self-employed, is you know, can you take the sum of your skills? You know, maybe take some time to journal on this. Um, list out all of your skills, and then list out all of your passions, and see where they coincide. Because this was something that I struggled with for so many years, and that's why it took me. You know to 2018 to finally make the leap is because even like my track record or my history like with college and you know just feeling this this immense pressure and stress to like figure it out what am i doing what do i want to do with my life like that question that you always get asked And for so many years, I was just like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And a lot of it was because I felt like I was being shoved into a box of like, I have to pick one thing. This was this this conditioning and this programming that really, really just stressed me out until I finally realized like, not only am I a creative, but I'm multi-passionate and I don't have to pick one thing. Um, And that's the beauty of, I feel like, entrepreneurship or, you know, whatever you want to call it, call yourself a digital nomad. But like, now I feel like, you know, even though we just went through like one of the worst years in history, I feel like there's still so much opportunity out there. I feel like when you look at the landscape for this in particular, um, the way that it's shifting to all online, I feel like the opportunity to be a digital nomad is even bigger than it ever was before. And so yeah, going back to my original point, which was figuring out what your skills are, um, listing out your skills, listing out your passions, seeing where they coincide, and really like considering like what, you know, what what of these skills can I monetize? Um, I personally like for the creatives out there, I you know. I tried to go to art school. Like I tried to go to um, I actually got accepted to the Fashion Institute, which was also art and fashion. But I ended up not pursuing it um, to go the traditional route for whatever reason. It was likely fear. Um, but obviously, you know, however many years later now, I I realized that I was drawn more to marketing and to writing and to storytelling and, you know, um, that type of creative creativity per se in business and you know there's there's immense opportunities there I mean if you are good at designing you could be a graphic designer like if you're unsure of what your skills are even what your passions are like I would suggest to just just test things out try things out again we're living in an age where it's so easy. I mean, you can go on YouTube and learn a skill. I've heard stories of like people going on YouTube and teaching themselves how to code and making like so much money, you know, without even going to college for that. So, yeah, uh, I guess that would be kind of my answer is to, to reflect on these things. And one thing I'll add to kind of round that out is you know, building a brand, building a personal brand. That's, um, that's something that I've always kind of been a big proponent of as well. Like in 2018, when I did make, even before I made that leap, I, I was surrounded also by other entrepreneurs. So I would say that's a tip as well. Find other people. If you don't have, you know, other people like pursuing these things around you or that are already entrepreneurs or su- successful in that way, try to find a group of people like that. You don't necessarily have to go spending thousands of dollars on a mastermind or coaching program or something like that, but just finding other people that are already doing this and learning from them, because that was really, I think the catalyst for me in 2018, I had friends that were starting businesses. I, you know, I was making more friends that were already doing this and When you can see that it's possible for other people, then you know that it's possible for you. And that's when I started to build my brand um, to get really serious about putting content out there around my brand to position myself as kind of, I hate the term expert, but (laughs) that go-to person of, you know, of all things branding. And and now that I've been putting travel content out there, like we were discussing earlier, a lot of people are reaching out to me with questions about, you know, how to travel. And even P- I got a message just the other day, someone was telling me that they're so inspired um, by the leap that I took to do this. So.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I think what you're talking about branding is so important, especially for people who are like learning, their learning a new skill or, you know, just kind of going off on their own, because a lot of times it's like, oh, let me do content writing or let me do photography. And they don't realize how important creating that brand is uh, because they're just kind of willy nilly, like here and there, you know, I'll work with this company, I'll work with that one. Um, but branding is so important, and I like uh, you've come up with like three to four questions. So for somebody who is wanting to do um, something in a niche, a niche, 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 however you say it, um, what are what are some questions that they can they can ask themselves to kind of create that brand?
0: Sure. So yeah, these are some questions that again, when people come to me and at a point in time, I was actually coaching as well, coaching women, um, on how to build their brand. And so these are some questions that I would have them kind of reflect on. And the first question it really is, what do you want to be known for? You know, um, because when it comes to branding, another thing that I like to point out too, is that, you know, everybody, people Google you, people will, you know, like scour through your social media pages. And if you don't have anything on there that's a value, it's not to say that everything you post has to be of value, but if someone goes scrolling through their your page, can they pick up on, you know, is your bio completely filled out? Can they pick up on what it is that you do in the first 10 to 20 seconds, because if they can't, then they're just going to keep on scrolling by, you know, so you, you want to make it easy for you to be found online. Um, if someone goes to Google your name, like I Google my name every couple of months, just to see, like, just to make sure what's floating around out there is on point. Um, so once you've decided what you want to be known for, um, like for instance, you know, I've built my brand around, branding, (laughs) brand building, strategy, brand strategy, storytelling. And now that I'm traveling, you know, I've slowly but surely been putting content out there, just sharing. It doesn't, it doesn't even necessarily, like I said, have to be always be of value, like teaching people, but just sharing your story, sharing your journey. Um, and that actually would bleeds into the third uh, question that I would ask, which is, what stories can I tell? Um, and it doesn't just have to be your own personal story. But like I said, sharing your journey, sharing also your trials and your triumphs. Another a huge thing in, in the entrepreneurial space right now is all is about, oh, everyone's just sharing a highlight reel. Like, no, you don't have to just do that. Like I've, I fell into that for a long time. I was like, well, I, I'm, not, I'm not gonna share the bad things or I'm not gonna share, you know, the things that I'm going through or struggling with. And so at a point in time, I actually started to do that. I started to vulnerably share things. Um, And to me, it was actually cathartic because I was like expressing myself. I used it as like this opportunity to express myself. Um, And it brings the human element to your brand. People wanna know like the human behind the brand. That's why personal branding to me is more important than, or just as important as if you have a business brand. Um, And I did skip over the second question, which is you do want to know who you're speaking to because that's another problem or not problem, but another thing that people can fall victim to when they're first starting out is they feel like they're speaking to a wide audience. Um, I know for me, like when I first transitioned from this is just my regular social media account to now this is like a business Uh, brand or entrepreneurial, like personal brand, I still had a lot of followers that were like high school friends or people from my past that likely will never be a client of mine. And so I had it in my head that like, oh, my potential clients are not following me. These are all my friends and like family members and things like that. So I felt like I allowed that to affect how I was putting myself out there. And I quickly learned or probably slowly learned that you know, even if your potential clients are not watching your stories or reading your content or liking your posts, you still want to speak to that person because that's how you attract them into your community and get them to start following you. Um, so you want to know who it is that you're speaking to, even if they're not in your audience yet. And you want to know what problem you're solving for them or what value you provide to them. Um, and there could be more than one. You know, you could solve multiple problems, but you don't. You want to make sure that you're kind of you're staying on point um, with at least one to two or three of those those problems that you solve, so that they can start to look at, to you as the solution, as the person that they can go to. And if not them, then maybe someone they know. You know, they can refer them to you. And over time, being consistent with that it's important to remember that it's not going to happen overnight. The small steps every day are eventually going to lead you to be recognized as you'll be recognized as, as the brand or the person that is that solution. So.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I think that that is uh, that's absolutely incredible. So one, what do I want to be known for? Two, who am I speaking to and what problem do I solve? And three, what stories can I tell? How can I um, bring the triumphs and trials, uh, the raw authenticity to your brand? Absolutely love those. Um, and I think it, it was funny because while you were talking, I was thinking of something else. Um, I, I feel like it's so hard with social media because the algorithm, you kind of have to play the algorithm as well when you're, when you're growing your social media brand. And so a lot of times, you know, that kind of pushes you to do the highlight reel. Um, or to keep you know your feed exactly like all the same tones. and it it really kind of, I don't know. Um, I'm not exactly sure where I'm at with that, but sometimes like I fight against the algorithm and sometimes I'm like, well, this is what you have to do to grow. But I think another way to really grow your social media, um, and and I say social media because that's how a lot of times your audience finds you, your target audience. That's how brands find you. That's how people find you to work with you. Um, But the other thing is, you know, just keeping up to date on new trends you know, like when this Instagram reels came out. So yeah, there's there's this, you know, you don't want to lose your authenticity in order to grow your social media. But at the same time, growing your social media is an integral part of growing your brand. So yeah, balancing that is important.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And also just knowing that like, you don't have to do it all. You don't have to be online 24 seven. Like I'm a huge advocate of taking breaks. Like I've I've been on social media personally, you know, since 2004, 2005. Um, and I was working in social media, like before, or when I first started my business, that's actually what I was doing. I was managing social media accounts and growing social media accounts for, for other brands. And um, even though, like, like I said, like through the pandemic, I, I hit some road bumps and lost some clients and they were mostly in that area. And I was actually, you know, as it, it, it obviously hurt me financially, but I knew that it was all happening for a reason because it was something that I did want to let go of. And I am moving more into the space of content writing, um, you know, blog writing, content writing, storytelling. And I still, you know, am open to helping, you know, people or brands with their strategy, with their brand strategy, things like that. I'm really like, I feel like my, one of my strongest skills is just creative ideas. Like if someone comes to me and they're like, how should I grow my, my brand or, you know, whatever questions they have, I can usually like right off the bat, like give them three to four, you know, things to do. Um, so yeah, I I don't know where I was going with that. (laughs) Um,
1: well, I think it's, it's interesting that you're talking about this, um, because your, your brand is also shifting. Um, like as, during, uh, as we're having this conversation, you're kind of shifting your brand into a new space and that's okay. You know, we all change. Pivoting. And pivoting, exactly. 2020 was like the year of pivoting for even big <laughs> companies. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, always allowing ourselves to have that freedom because another thing that we tend to fall into is just, you know, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to duke it out. Like just keep hounding, hounding um, or grinding, you know, do it getting into the grind and then you're no better off than being a slave to the corporate America. So yeah,
0: exactly. And I think that's where I was going with that initially. Now that I think about it was I'm an advocate for breaks for social media breaks, especially while I'm traveling, because I don't want to be glued to my phone. And, you know, I do like to capture with my phone, like when I am out and like going on excursions and see, you know, hiking and waterfalls and all this stuff, like I will capture some things, but I'm not that person that's like, Hey, I'm going live. I'm here at the waterfall or something, you know? And obviously like there isn't good service in most parts of where I am anyway. But, um, but yeah, all that to say is like when I first started out building my brand and putting myself out there, I was very much like, looking at others looking to others to like i need to be like them or i need to do what they're doing and again that was me pushing myself in a box and molding myself to what other people are doing and so it's very much a discovery and exploratory process for yourself to figure out what works for you and to not feel like i need to be an overnight success because there's no such thing it really is about that incremental progress And if you need to take a break, by all means, take a break because the pandemic is really what put all of that into perspective for me. I mean, I was, I felt like I lived on Zoom, not even just for work purposes, but to stay connected to friends. And like, we would all just jump on a Zoom call. And I just felt like my brain was melting by the end of 2020. So that was like what pushed me out the door to start traveling and disconnecting myself. I never want to feel like I'm so connected to technology that I, I can't step away from it. So
1: yeah, it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's awesome. So talking about, you know, we've kind of talked about the brand, what, people can do as a digital nomad um but you also talk about uh because this is kind of fresh for you jumping into the whole digital nomad lifestyle and leaving all the knowns for the unknowns which is <laughs> crazy scary um and I, I think that holds back a lot more people than um we realize um, i don't know how to say that phrase Myself but it holds included. a lot of people that yeah <laughs> exactly um so yeah, you kind of created this checklist for how to prepare for the nomadic lifestyle. Um, basically, what you're doing now. Let's go ahead and dive into that. So, for somebody who's sure. listening to this as they're driving to work and like, oh, I just want to get out of here. How can they? How can they do it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So this is kind of a just loose, loosely, loosely put together checklist that I have. You know. I've run through this myself, um, especially in the beginning, you know, really just deciding where you want to go uh, by doing research. And, you know, now that we're in this age of post-pandemic, like, of course, you want to make sure that wherever you're going, you know, um, for me personally, I won't delve into this too much, but I I just knew that I wanted to go somewhere that was easy, convenient, um, wasn't going to require a lot of me. Um, And so Mexico was really was really the place that made the most sense for me. But yeah, reading blogs, you know, if you're a solo traveler, especially if you're a female, you want to kind of stay up to date on the crime stats. I would say I didn't really do much research like into statistics, but I was able to kind of get insider info by joining, um, joining a lot of local groups on Facebook. So you know, let's say you're going to travel to a place like Tulum or, you know, I'm just using Tulum as an example, because that was the first place that I went to. I went on Facebook and I researched Tulum travel groups or expat and local groups. There's typically an expat community in, in, in every like major kind of area that people travel to. Um, and that's actually one of my hacks. I'll get, I'll probably get into more of that later. Um, what else? Uh, Oh, to search for places to stay. So you can search on Airbnb, obviously. That's typically where I search because I'm doing kind of this short-term thing um, where I'm staying just a month in each location. But if you're looking for something more long-term, there are actually rental, um, rental groups in each of these locations that you can go in there and you can talk to landlords that are you know, renting out their apartments or you can go onto the Facebook Marketplace I know in Mexico it's it's very widely used. Um, there's a lot of you know rentals that are posted on the marketplace on Facebook. Um, let's see what else. In terms of your live, you know the living, uh, the living environment. Like you want to take into consideration. Like these are things I didn't think about, but like especially in a country like Mexico, like peace and quiet is not easy to come by here. So obviously you can ask ahead of time, like if it's noisy, like they're, they're probably not going to tell you if it is, but it is just something to keep in mind, um, depending on like where it's located or things like that, obviously safety, you want to make sure it's in a safe environment. So again, you can hop into these Facebook groups. You can directly ask, you can make a post saying, hi, is this area safe? Um, and people will, you know, will will be honest with you. Um, If you're on a budget, consider staying in a hostel. I actually stayed in hostels um, for the first three months of my travels and I stayed in a private room. So I personally don't do dorms (laughs) and there are a lot of options out there depending on where you're going for, um, like I said, a private room. So the only thing that's really shared is the kitchen. And um, there's also co-living communities. So here in San Cristobal, I actually uh, came across one. I'm obviously not staying there, but it's co-living, co-working. And this particular one, um, they actually don't let outsiders come and co-work there. So they all live together and then they have a whole like community space to co-work as well. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um other things on the checklist. Obviously who want to put notice in to vacate your residence, and give yourself enough time to, you know, I gave myself 30 days because I'm the type of person, unfortunately I am like last minute. <laughs> um, if I gave myself 60 days, I probably would have waited till the last minute anyway, to do certain things. But 30 days was actually enough time for me because I was like, okay, I'm going to post my things for sale. Like I, I, it, the way that it all flowed was perfect. I made extra money. Like I sold my TV, I sold like furniture. I kept a few things that I, I just couldn't part with. Um, and I put that in storage and, um, forwarded my mail, obviously let my bank know going to Mexico. You don't really have to, cause it's not really like an international country. Um, What else? Make copies of important documents. You kind of want to have copies of your passport in case, you know, I've never had this issue where I've lost it. Knock on wood. Um, And then you'll, you know, and then you kind of want to brush up on the language and, and learn what the currency conversion is to where you're going. I have obviously been to Mexico a few times and I learned Spanish Um, way back in high school so I would say I'm pretty basic to fluent right now um, after being here a while there are apps actually there's the Duolingo app that you can learn any language on so just kind of brushing up on kind of the basics so you don't land there and some countries though they do speak a lot of English um, but here in Mexico especially if you're in more remote areas they don't um And then the last tip was, you know, pack based on the weather, check the weather, know if there's seasonal changes like here in Mexico, there's a rainy season and a dry season. So depending on which season it is, you want to pack accordingly. Um, And that's really it. That's, that's kind of my checklist there.
1: I love it. And that's pretty comprehensive. Um, and then you can do it. It's really, it's really not that hard. The biggest thing that holds people back, like we've been saying is is fear, you know, because it's so unknown. <laughs> it's absolutely yep. crazy.
0: You think like, where am I going to live? Um, I'm trying to think of some of the fears that came up for me like, oh, can I afford it? And it's just once I finally did all of this and you you have to think about like, Okay. When I move out, I don't have an electric bill. I don't have a Wi-Fi bill, like all of these extra expenses. I don't have my car anymore. So that was a huge expense for me. My, you know, my monthly payment, my insurance gas, wear and tear on the car. Like, I don't know if, and when I will get a car again, because that was like the thorn in my side for a long time. (laughs) <laughs> and then coming here and in certain parts of the country are even are just so cheap. Like where I am right now, it's I'm paying less than half in rent of what I was paying in Florida, in Florida compared to like New York or California. It's even a smaller percentage. Um, and then food is cheap. Like everything is just so affordable here. So
1: and that's another thing, kind of going to your first point, you know, decide where you want to go. Um, that's really important to look at those factors, uh, cost of living, um, because of course, you know, you couldn't uh, leave leave America and then go to Switzerland and live as a digital nomad. Like, you know, because then you're going the wrong direction as far as, uh, wow, well, I can't think of the word, but exchange rate. Definitely find a country, you know, like Mexico that uh, you can live way more cheaply. So you can, especially if you don't have a lot of money coming in at first, you know, as you're, as you're growing your brand. So that's very important as well.
0: It's definitely, yeah. yeah. You want to research the countries that will work for your budget. So like, you know, maybe you are making a lot of money. Maybe you're just a remote worker for a company. Um, Oh, the one thing I, you know, a couple of things I didn't mention because I was trying to get through the list. But, you know, when you're researching where you want to live, you want to ask about the internet speeds. And like a lot of these countries, like Mexico is usually like the last one to hop on board. And even here, like, especially in Airbnb, they know how important Wi-Fi is. So I always typically will message the Airbnb host before I just go booking it. I'll read the reviews obviously, but I will, you know, message them and just say, Hey, I see that you have Wi-Fi, but like, what's, what's the speed? Like, is it, um, is it stable? Is it good? What have past guests said about it? Like you can message these hosts and ask them like all of these questions. Um, if it's not clear in the description or on the reviews, um, and I like to get a feel for, you know, are they a nice person? Are they a good landlord? You know, if they're very receptive and responsive because I haven't had too many issues, but you know, also sometimes the pictures can be deceiving. So if there's any doubt in your mind, like ask them first. And like certain places, it's just like a citywide issue. Like Puerto Escondido, I personally didn't have a lot of issues in my hostel. They had like three different routers. Um, But there were times where the entire city was down. Like nobody had access to any internet. Um, because they don't have, they don't have fiber there. It's like a huge thing going on. I don't really know what the issue is, but like only some of the higher end hotels. And like, if you're familiar with Selena, which is like a, uh, international hostel chain, they all have super fast fiber so that's where a lot of digital nomads end up staying, because you actually can get like some kind of membership where you can stay at like all the different ones around the world. So actually, that, I haven't heard of them. That's cool. Yeah. Selena hostels. But I personally I personally don't have a desire or haven't really wanted to stay there just because I'm I'm an older digital nomad. I'm like a a millennial. I call myself a senior millennial. Um, I'm 37, so I personally don't like party hostels and I like my peace and quiet. So it's, it's a mixed bag. Like they are very nice. I've heard, um, I've had conversations with other travelers that are like, oh yeah, I love Selena. Um, sometimes the music, they'll have music going to like midnight or 2am on the weekend. And I'm like, no, that doesn't work for me.
1: (laughs) I love that. I love that you bring that up because, um, I'm definitely more of that. Yeah, I'm not a partier. Um, I'm not kind of. I don't consider myself in the young crowd. I'm almost thirty, um, and and that's okay. Like you know, because again, you see a lot of these uh, young travel digital nomads, no kids. Um, they're either single or you know dating, maybe married. It's okay to have your own life. Like you can find your own life in the travel industry and create. Like, why are you doing it again? That's that's kind of what you have to go back to. Just on a personal level, why do you want to do this? Um, because if it's just for a new experience or to, you know, get out of the groove for a bit, go on a vacation, you know, because it it's, it's a lifestyle. It takes a lot of commitment and it takes a lot of work, but the benefits are, you know, you have freedom. Um, you're able to work from anywhere you can live wherever you want. And so you kind of go back to the basics, you know, are you doing it just for the party scene? Or are you doing it for the community? And then kind of just, mold your lifestyle to fit that and that's okay (laughs) because not everybody does the same things you know that the generic uh cookie cutter travel influencer does
0: exactly and i and i do like to give myself at least 30 days in every location because i feel like when Mm -hmm. i arrive somewhere it does take me like about a week to like I can acclimate, especially because I've been in this country for a while. Like I'm not like going to different countries with different languages every like month. I'm staying in the country. I'm just hopping around to different parts of it. Um, But there is an acclimation period, you know, especially here. Like I went from being on the coast to now going up in elevation, Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Like if you're like, oh, I only want to spend a week there and then move on. Like that's, that's going to be challenging, especially if you're, you're required to like work, if you're, you know, uh, if you're just a remote worker, but you have an employer. Um, but even if you're, you own your own business and you have to put in a certain amount of hours every day, um, you know, taking that into consideration that once I'm here for a week, I feel like I'm, I'm acclimated. Like I know where things are, I can get around. And also, you know, there can, you can have issues focusing, staying focused and adhering to whatever kind of schedule or routine that you have. I can sometimes allow myself to get very distracted with I'm in a new place. I want to go explore. Like, I don't want to work. Um, so, yeah, taking that into account, knowing that I'm in a place for 30 days allows me to relax and say, OK, like I have a month. I don't have to explore everything in in the first week, like give myself spread out over a 30 day period to say, OK, this weekend I'm going to go exploring. And then obviously during the week I'm putting in hours to work and the next weekend I'll go explore this area, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah. Cause I am the reason I love traveling so much is I love adventure and I love exploring different areas and I love being out in nature and hiking and, you know, just seeing the world. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that. Well, as we wrap up, uh, real quick, what is your, one of your favorite travel tips, tricks, hacks? We kind of talked about, uh, getting to know, joining Facebook groups and uh, things in the locality. But uh, yeah, what's another one?
0: You know, just just to get plugged in to like all of these different things that like, you know, that overwhelm people, or maybe they feel lonely, they've been on the road for a while traveling to different parts of the country and they feel alone like i've just i've seen i'm in these groups and i see people that are saying like i don't, it's typically in like the solo travel groups for women where they're like i'm lonely like I, I haven't been able to meet people this or that and i'm like i will comment on those posts and things and say like get plugged in like when i i'll just share a quick story like when i landed in oaxaca or before i landed in oaxaca city i um this was actually right before i i committed to like taking a 30 day break off social media. But before I did that, I was in like the the Oaxaca city expat group. And I happened to see a post fly by of this woman who who actually runs um, some kind of, she teaches digital nomads, like how to live the digital nomad life. And she had made a post in there saying, Hey, I'm starting this WhatsApp group um, for people in this age range, which was like my age range and up. Um, if anyone wants to join, let me know. And I quickly hopped on there. I was like, Hey, I'm getting off social media, but I would love to join your WhatsApp group. Um, can you plug me in? And she did. And she was already like, had kind of a a digital nomad kind of community in Oaxaca city that I just plugged right into. And as soon as I arrived, I had friends already, you know, it was like, it just so happened that all these people were super cool. We were all like, the same like we were all digital nomads we were all looking and craving for that friendship and community while traveling and I was there for three weeks actually and for almost the entire time I had friends to hang out with like people that were like let's do happy hour let's go on a hike let's do this let's do that and so to me that was just very very valuable and um, you know made my my time there like just that much more memorable and, you know, just, I was just happier. I was happy to, I was grateful to be able to plug into that. Um, so yeah, so all that to say, like, do the research, if that's what you're looking for. Sometimes I, I get into to phases where I'm like, I don't want to be around people. Like I want to do my own thing, but I'd still like to have that as an option to fall back on. Um, so I did the same thing here in St. Cristobal. I actually, I went into the group and said, Hey, I'm here in St. Cristobal for 30 days. If there's any other travelers that want to meet, let's do this. So I created my own WhatsApp group that has about six or seven people in it. Um, so that I have as an option to plug into, and then I guess the only other tip that I had to share, which was, um, when you're searching for flights search on Tuesdays, because I've had the experience. Other people have told me this to always look on Tuesday because flight prices actually drop. Um, I wouldn't say across the board, but overall flights are cheaper, um, on Tuesdays. So
1: those are great tips. And yeah connection community that's so important
0: and now it's time for travel trivia travel trivia coming your way
1: first uh what's your favorite city that you've ever visited
0: (laughs) it's so hard people ask me that and i'm like i've liked everywhere for different reasons um and obviously this answer will change over time but um, yeah what's your
1: current (laughs) it's a totally unfair question i know
0: it is because, you know, I'm such a beach person, but I, I had such a good experience in Oaxaca City. So I'm just going to say Oaxaca City.
1: Nice. If you <laughs> could if you could live anywhere, or I should say, if you had to live anywhere in the world permanently, where would you want to live? I'm assuming it I has a beach. I can
0: describe it. Yeah, I can describe it, but I can't necessarily say what city that is. But yes, um, somewhere near the coastline um that doesn't get too hot but that's that's hard because if it's in Mexico it definitely gets hot but yeah somewhere near the coastline um that has a relatively you know young community of travelers that I can plug into um yeah I'm kind of simple it doesn't have to have a lot but yeah, some you know markets nearby with fresh, fresh fruit and vegetables. That's something I love about Mexico too. Is like the the access to fresh food. Like I don't have to even really go to the supermarket and just go to these markets. Um, yeah,
1: love it. Mm-hmm. What is the worst food you've ever tried?
0: <laughs> the worst. Yeah. Um, I could say like the weirdest.
1: Yeah. It, these usually come he, with a fun story, so that's why I ask it.
0: <laughs> I, well, I, yeah, because I, I can't say... Um, so grasshoppers is a huge thing in mojaca, um, but I can't say that I actually ate a physical grasshopper. What they do is they take insects and they grind them down into like a seasoned salt. And I've had the one for... I've had cricket salt and I've had ant salt. And the ant salt was not very good. It tasted very strange. And what they do with this salt is because you know how like when you drink tequila, typically you get salt and a lime. Mm-hmm. Well, in certain parts of Mexico, especially Oaxaca, like mezcal is a huge thing. It's like more popular than tequila. I actually like it a lot. It's grown on me, but they'll give you the um, a shot of mezcal. You're supposed to sip on it. You don't shoot it, but they give you the mezcal with orange slices and the salt and like the insect salt. <laughs>
1: Interesting. Very
0: interesting.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> um, if you could change one thing about travel, what would it be?
0: Um, that's a very general question. Do you mean like?
1: It could be way? about the process. It could be about the process of travel. It could be about um, the emotions that come with travel. It could be. Yeah, about the technology with travel. it's it's a very open-ended question. Just to yeah. learn more about.
0: I'll kind of yeah, I'll kind of just speak to like my current situation and like my most recent kind of traveling through Mexico specifically, is that um there aren't the way that the roads are set up are kind of shitty, like especially where I am now, like to get to certain parts. Um, other parts of this area are like, it takes way longer than it should because of the way the roads are set up. Like there aren't direct routes. Um, there's a lot of speed bumps and obviously I'm in the mountains. So you have to kind of account for that. You're going like going up, you're going down, you're winding around a lot of mountains and you can very easily get sick. Like I, I got nauseous a few times, um, so, yeah, if the roads were built better, that would be ideal.
1: <laughs> nice. And then the this or that uh, section, would you prefer traveling by train or bus?
0: Train, because they're faster.
1: Beaches or, oh, I already know that one. Beaches or city. <laughs> it's definitely beaches. Uh, solo travel. Even traveler. though my
0: favorite city was a city, so.
1: That is true. <laughs> <laughs> um solo travel or group travel
0: oh it depends on my mood Mm. um i would probably say overall group i mean i could always hide sneak away and hide (laughs) it would (laughs) have to be the right group though
1: that is true group dynamics during travel are so important uh do you prefer would you prefer deep ocean diving or mountain climbing
0: again it depends on my mood but probably ocean
1: Uh, do you prefer boats or airplanes?
0: Uh, boats are more for leisure. I feel like and airplanes are more for like actually just getting to a certain destination, but in terms of what I like more, definitely boats.
1: (laughs) Uh, do you prefer a strict schedule or are you more go with the flow?
0: Go with the flow for
1: sure. Uh, do you prefer planned tours or random exploration?
0: random exploration.
1: Love it. Um, how can people contact you if they've listened to this and they want to, uh, get in touch with you about doing, uh, content writing for travel, or if you don't mind, if they want to, if they have more questions about brand strategy and you still help them with that. Yeah. If people want to learn more about you and kind of follow along with your adventures, how can they contact you?
0: Um, I would say there's probably multiple options. You can follow me on Instagram. Although, like I said, I do take frequent Right now I'm taking frequent breaks, Um, but you can certainly follow me there, DM me there and check out my website. I haven't updated it in a while, but um, my website and my email address, if you want to, I don't know if you have show notes or something and you can kind of add that information there. But pretty much if you search my name, like I've been saying, this is kind of my general response when I do these interviews is I'm a personal brand. So by searching my name, you can pretty much find me on all platforms. You can find my website by searching my name. Like I'm pretty easy to find like I did that on purpose.
1: <laughs> I'll have all the deets in the show notes, as they say. Cool. Uh, mm-hmm. And then last question. What makes travel worth it to you personally?
0: Um, Worth it to me, I would say, you know, it's the travel experience you know go leaping into the unknown and all of that like it parallels with your life experience it it enriches your life it you know it it helps you break down those barriers of fear and you know for me personally like i've been saying like after nine months of being in in isolation it was like it was a necessary kind of next step for me so if that all resonates with you and you're feeling the same like I just tell people like you have to just make that that conscious decision to say I'm gonna do it no matter what um, what issues arise what challenges may arise because challenges will arise <laughs> for sure um, and just you know just leaning on on your your deep desire to do this through those periods of uncertainty of fear of of all of that like I say all of those things like. Don't compare to the experience that you're going to get from, from doing this, from traveling.
1: Thank you for being a part of today's conversation. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast and come find us on social media at Travel Worth Living. This episode was edited and produced by Agnes Gretasdottir, with music by Vlad Glushenko. I'm your host, Seth Sutherland, and this is Travel Worth Living.